You're listening to the Versus Node podcast, presented by GamerNode.com. Welcome to episode number 35 of the Versus Node podcast, though it might as well be called 4, because we're talking PS4 all the time. I have with me the usual crew. First, Dan Crabtree. How are things in Danland? Dude, Danland's pretty good. Uh, We've just transferred to a new oligarchy system. Uh, Good. good. All of the teddy bears are running the place, so... (laughs) Perfect. And you're just there with your mustache... (laughs) <laughs> and they're not bothering you. How, how would that affect okay. <laughs> hey, it's your it's your it's your world. That's right, it's Danland. We just live in it. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um also we're off to a great start, aren't we? Also, uh Mike another usual member, Mike Murphy. Mike, how you doing, man? I'm doing uh great. Wonderful. Splendid. Um you sound it. You could say that um it's uh a perfect day. A per- mm. 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 That's mm. it, folks. We're done. The jokes. I don't know how better. I feel about that. Shortest podcast ever. Good night, everybody. <laughs> um, <laughs> nah, that's good, man. That's good. And uh, another game of node regular, Anthony Labella. What is up, Anthony? Hello. Hello. I'm having a fantastic day, by the way. Not perfect. But pretty fantastic. But pretty fantastic, and I'm glad that we got the we got the uh, or you got the mic situated. Um, before we started, he was having some technical issue, and we didn't know if we'd get to talk to him. So now exactly. that he is on and he's ready to go, we are ready to go, and we are going to talk all about PlayStation Four. It launched last week, as of this podcast. Um, we are all enjoying it. We are all liking what it does so far. I wouldn't call it loving yet because it's early and it takes time to say I love you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's wonderful every great relationship needs boundaries um, so there are a couple of features that we're really into as far as what the PS4 offers right at, at launch and Dan is going to start us off with how we deal with other people Dan what's up I love dealing with other people that's my favorite Good. Is that all? That's all you wanted me to say, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I think my favorite component of the new UI on the PlayStation 4, uh, there are a lot of good things about it. It's easy to navigate. There's, you, know, you can get to all the important stuff with two or three left or rights or up and downs, right? Uh, which is pretty key as opposed to the scroll all the way to the left and all the way down to change from HDMI to component or whatever it was. Um, so... Now it's a lot easier to navigate. But the first thing that comes up, it says, what's new? It's got the PlayStation Shapes logo. uh, Yeah, I guess so, yeah. The Shapes logo. And then right below that, boom, there's all the stuff from your friends' feeds. Now, you do have to be someone who has friends on PSN in order for this to, to matter. You have to be involved in PSN to the extent that you have other people that you care about who are also playing PlayStation, which I'm sure is not the case for everyone, but uh, certainly for for myself, that's the case. Uh, And so I get to hop on there and see what games folks are playing, what the, if someone just purchased a game, if someone just got an achievement, um, I think, you know, they also throw in a bunch of ads. It's very, uh, Jason, you noted earlier, Facebook 
style clumped mm-hmm. together. Uh, but I really like it. I, it makes it feel like there are people in this universe in as well as games. And I think PSN used to be a lot m- more just, hey, here's people who you can play against in these matches. Um, and, and Xbox Live, too, was, was very much the same way. I think another component of that, too, is the name request, uh, which, for those who don't know, you know, you have your, your normal uh, handle. Mine is Dan Bear Pigs. I could not believe, by the way, that somebody had taken Dan Bear Pigs singular already. Someone <laughs> got there. Aw, Dan. <laughs> but that means, that means you're not alone in the universe, though, Dan. <laughs> I'm not the only Dan Bear Pig. We can we can procreate. So (laughs) (laughs) and cause um, much frustration, Al Gore. So now I don't have to be frustrated because you know, so my friend over in Afghanistan. I don't know why I have friends in Afghanistan. In this example, my friend in Afghanistan who's playing PSN gets online. He's like, "Who the heck is Dan Bear Pigs? I don't even. And why is it? I don't care that he's playing Assassin's Creed Four and streaming live right now. Oh wait, oh that's Dan Crabtree. Okay, now I know. And you do that because by you just send a a friend request. It's like sort of a. It's like taking it to the next level. Like we're getting pretty serious, hot and heavy with our PSN relationship. And so you send that over, and they send it back, and they say, "Yeah, I'm going to let you into not just my gaming life, but also my life life." by giving you my real name. Now, I, I think the danger here and, and the, the thing that, the, probably the reason that this was not mm, an option already is because there's some protection that's afforded specifically children yep. uh, by having that anonymity, that extra layer. It's uh, but, but it, right. But it, yeah, but it is optional. It's an opt-in. So you yeah, the, the fact the fact that I can just ask you if you'd like to share actual names instead of just keeping it at a screen name platonic level that's cool. Yeah. Um, I, I think if they force that, there'd be a lot of issue. So the fact that that's just an extra thing that you can ask for for people yeah. that you actually trust is it makes it very well implemented. It yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, and it's just it's very effortless. I think that's the mm-hmm. that's the biggest thing about it. And that's I mean, when you go onto Facebook. The first thing that shows up is your feed. It's just here's what's going on, all of your friends. There's not even really a particular I, – I guess they they start ordering it over time by seeing, like, who do you chat with most on Facebook and they sort of highlight those. I, I wonder if they have a similar algorithm built into this. But either way, it's not – there aren't any demands placed on you in order to engage with other people. There, It's just there. I get, And to me, that's – I don't understand why that hasn't happened before. It seems so obvious, right? Right. Uh, but thank goodness it's happened now. That's awesome. And what's cool is you can click on one of those uh, notifications. Like I just, I'm tinkering with it right now, and uh, a friend of mine got a trophy in Knack, and I don't own Knack. But if I click on the notification, it brings up what it is. It shows me the trophy and the symbol for it, and then I have the option of buying Knack right then and there. So yeah. if, I like, oh, wow. if I like what if I like what they're doing, buy fifty nine ninety nine, or I can go look at it in the PlayStation Store. Done. It's yeah. completely completely seamless. Everything and, about this. Oh, go ahead. So I, and you mentioned it being completely seamless, and I think this sort of transitions well into I think what Anthony was going to talk about that that 
you can be doing something social. You can be engaging with your PSN friend. You can also, when you set it up for the first time, it asks you to link your Facebook profile. So if you want to, you can also integrate that and all of your Facebook friends can come along with you. Uh, but then you can do that like within a half a second of playing a game. And not even like a like a downloadable indie game like that you just boot up. This is like, I'm playing Assassin's Creed 4 right now. I'm streaming live, so there are people who are not watching me. Nope, there's one person who's watching me online. <laughs> it's probably Jason. And I press, I press the PlayStation button in the middle, and boom, there I am. I'm back to what's new. I can see what my friends are doing. Yes, yeah, the, the multitasking part of it is really cool. And you're right, Anthony did want to gush about it very, very much. He was so excited about it, so let's let him talk. Now, Anthony, yes, what do you yes, got? Yes, <laughs> yes. So, so that, that was, in fact, my favorite thing about the redesigned UI in that when you think about the PlayStation 3, I certainly remember if I was playing a game and I wanted to pop up uh, or go into the XMB and look at trophies or or you know, go to the PlayStation Store, which I'm, I don't even remember if you could actually do that while you're playing a game. But this no, definitely not. Okay, definitely not. there you go. You could not do that. But with the PlayStation 4, as as Dan was saying, he could be playing Assassin's Creed 4, click the PlayStation button, or, yeah, the home PlayStation button, go into the PlayStation Store, look around at games, go talk to his friends, chat with other people, um, download games. So I even... I was downloading Contrast, which uh, was for PlayStation Plus subscribers on day one. I was playing Resogun. I, I paused it while I was playing. I went into the PlayStation Store. I thought, oh, I might as well download Contrast now. So I started that up. It was downloading at a... By the way, this download speed seemed faster, at least on my end, uh, downloading from the store. So that was downloading pretty fast. I went right back to Resogun while it was downloading. Had no problems, no slowdown whatsoever. Just the idea that I can do all these things at once without experiencing any slowdown or taking forever to get to one thing from the next is is super exciting to me. And I know Xbox One is going to do that as well. But just the idea that it's this progression from the PlayStation 3, which was very much you're doing one thing at a time, and if you try to multitask, it's it's not going to happen. You're, you're going to yeah. run into a lot of, a lot of trouble. It, yeah, it strikes me that it's, it's a very um, personal computer. I'd, I'd say, I don't say PC because I don't want to give the sense that I'm talking specifically about Windows. But just having it, it feels more like being on a computer where you can open a window, you can close a window. Now, the design problem there is that you don't have the clicker. You don't have a a mouse, a pointer uh, to navigate all of that with. So then you say, well, now we have to build this very intuitive, um, self-navigating sort of uh, system that someone can just pick up, they'll look at it, and they'll be like, oh, obviously, when I press the PS Plus button, or the PS button in the middle of the controller, I'm back to the, the menu screen. And, you know, for example, oh, I'm looking at all my friends and in, in their news feed. What happens if I just push the back button if I press O? Hey, I go back to the menu. What do you know? doesn't matter how far down I'm in there. If I just press the back button, I go back. So I think that they did a good job also in within multitasking of building an intuitive design for how to navigate that, how to get between them, um, because it could be something Byzantine and it's not. And I don't right. know if, I don't know if Anthony Har- uh, mentioned this, um, I'm trying, I can't remember now all of a sudden, but the speed of it is yeah. amazing. Remember when you would hit the PS button and it would 
load up the XMB yeah, and everything. That's kind of what I mean by that lag. Like it's so much faster this time. And now. it's 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 so much better. I feel like I never feel like it's a chore. Before I felt like it was a chore. Yeah. To have to act to do something outside of the game when I didn't want to. Now I have. It doesn't matter. I I don't have a problem with any of it. Just hit the button and go. It's fantastic. Yeah, that's why I never did it on PS3. Like, I tried it, obviously, but I would never do anything else. I was either I was playing a game and doing nothing else, or I was looking at the store and doing nothing else. I never tried to open up the menu while I was engaged in an activity because I knew doing that would be like pulling teeth, and it would take forever to even do it. So just to see that improvement is, is one of the things I enjoy most about the system at this point. I'm with you there. Absolutely. Um, now, Mike wants to go back to the social aspect of it. He's a big fan of party chat. Mike, I haven't done this yet, so you have to walk me through it. Um, party chat, essentially, if you've done the uh, the Xbox Live party chat on the 360, it's very, very similar to the fact to where you can have up to eight people in a party, cross-game, finally talking to one another, which is one of the main reasons why I actually kind of shied away from the PS3 unless there was, like, an exclusive that I really wanted to play on the system because when I play my games, I like to talk with my friends who are online, regardless of whether or not we're playing the same games. Uh, it's just a good way to keep in touch with, with pals, see what they're playing, find out if it's any good. If I don't have it, maybe they can recommend it to me. Or just, you know, talk and shoot in the shit with them. Uh, so I'm really glad that it's now finally in the PlayStation uh, on the PS4. And it's not too complicated basically what you'll do is uh you'll go to the party system uh in the xmb and you can basically uh just start a party you can invite uh players after you create it uh you can name it uh you can choose who can join you can make it private uh, via invite or you can have friends of friends join up and then you send out your request to people you can also send party requests to people from your friends list it's one of the options that you have on there uh and then in addition to having on the side on the right side of the screen, a list of all the people that are in your party. You can also, if you really wanted to, have uh, like text message conversations in there as well. That's cool. And, and uh -huh. I thought, again, I'm with you in that. I thought that was something that was really missing from the PS3 experience that Xbox 360 had over it in every in, in every imaginable way. I used to love getting on and just playing whatever I was playing, but still having people to talk to and bullshit with about really anything. Of course, most of the time, all of them were playing the same game, and I was the one guy playing Catherine. But whatever. <laughs> I mean, it's totally I was, fine. That's yeah, totally they, fine. They, were, they could have their Battlefield and Call of Duty, which... We'll which you now have. Yeah, lost. Catherine <laughs> was a great We'll game. mention that later. And I was there playing Catherine or Mass Effect, so whatever. Mm -hmm. um, so, Mike, have you have you had a full party of eight, or have you... Have I haven't you, had a full party of eight, yet? um... I've had one or two of my friends join me um, one at a time, uh, pretty much just one-on-one -on -one conversations, but it pretty much acts just like uh, just like the, the way the Xbox 360 um, worked with its party chat, except the, uh, the sound quality is, is better. You, they don't sound like uh, they're on um, like a really cheap mic or a walkie-talkie or a cell phone, like, some of the, like a lot of the 360 party chat sounds like. It actually sounds like you're talking to the person. Uh, the only... Uh, negative, I would say, about the party system only has to come with the with uh, not so much the system itself, but a peripheral that comes with the PS4. Um, when you're talking using the mic or whatever you want to call that earbud thing that uh, Sony gives you in the box, 
Uh, it's not really good at keeping out background noise. Right. So if anybody's like playing a game in the background, or if they don't have, um, if they're talking to you through the camera too, which I think might have a built-in mic, I'm not sure. It does. Um, yeah. Or if anybody else is in the room uh, talking, you can hear them coming in to your uh, to your earbud or on your TV, which could be embarrassing. Yes, <laughs> it could be very bad when you have no control. And, you know, someone comes in and asks you a stupid question, and all of a sudden all your friends know something that you didn't want them to know about you. So, <laughs> Sony, figure that out. Because hey, Jason, which of Twitch's tutus do you, uh, Twix's His tutus name is do Twitch. you find the best? It's like the candy. <laughs> <laughs> nah, Sorry, you were talking about video earlier, so I messed that up. Ain't no goddamn tutu going on that dog. Anyhow, uh, <laughs> I... I might be the only one with a complaint, and it's minor. It's more OCD or anal retentiveness than anything else. Um, anal retention? Anal retentiveness? Ugh, ugh. Yeah, right? That sounds awful. Nope, not that. So I'm looking, at my, I'm looking at the main menu right now, and I'm going to give you the order of what mine has from left to right. Here we go. Okay. What's new, as we talked about, which is fine. That's supposed to be first. Call of Duty Ghosts, because that's the disc that's inside the uh, system right now. TV and video, because I downloaded Netflix last. Warframe, Backlight Retribution, The Playroom, Contrast, Battlefield 4, and Resogun. Now, sounds like a pretty cool lineup of games that I have to play, which it is. It also sounds like unordered bullshit. <laughs> There's no rhyme or reason to this, and I, which is, you know, whatever. If you want to do it in the order that I downloaded stuff or installed stuff, fine, who cares? But let me fix it. PS3 had the same issue. If you sorted your your games by system on the main menu, like if you downloaded PS3 and PS2 and PS1, those folders were always in the order you downloaded them. You could sort them into alphabetical folders, but then it's PS3 mixed with PS2 mixed with PS1. There was never an option to, I guess, micromanage organization, and that part of it seems to have bled onto the PS4. I want alphabetizing and may, again maybe that's a little ocd but i i find <laughs> I, I i find it so much better with a little bit of order and yeah is that is that weird no and i was mentioning earlier if you go to game library so i downloaded i had resogun um contrast flower and i think uh sound shapes downloaded so the order was resogun contrast sound shapes flower um but the letters are all over the place like i like, if, imagine if that list were much longer, and it was going in the order I downloaded them in. How in the hell would I find anything? Exactly. Like, yeah, I, and, and that's a good point, well, because so many games are going to be downloadable. Going right. right. I, mean, well, I, think, I don't think we'll it's ordered by, um, by the order you downloaded them. It's what you played last. or used Oh, maybe last. that's it. Maybe that's it. Yes. In the actual maybe. game library, you mean? Um, in the regular library. In the, in the main menu on the main library. Um, I was from talking specifically... I was talking specifically about if you go to game library, which I believe is at the very end of that bar. Oh, library, yeah. Game library, and that I believe is based on when you downloaded last, or maybe the first one you downloaded is first. But I just know it's not in an order that I can customize, and it's not in alphabetical order. And if neither of those are the case, I'm going to be annoyed. Which yeah. is the case. And it's not just li- and it's not just games too. It's also any apps that you've downloaded because I have the Netflix oh, sure. app in mine. Now I. I- 
again, because that was a little bit of OCD, I do want to compliment the PS4 a little bit because I do like the system. I just happen to have something to nitpick on. In that little bit of conversation that you guys were just having, I was able to go into the store, find a game I was looking for, purchase it, and download it. All seamless. That, to me, is such an improvement over the PS3 store. I can't even begin to describe it. First of all, everything downloads and I can keep going. I don't have to watch it download. There were background downloads on PS3, but I tried it once and the install failed and I couldn't get the game back, so I don't trust it. Never trusted it. Yeah, same here. I never I yep. never really did. Um but now I can I can just download whatever I want and and buy it seamlessly and quickly as fast as I want and now I'm getting flour because flour's awesome. Flower is awesome. <laughs> but indeed. But and the weird thing is it's the same layout as the PS three store was at the end there. So everything seems familiar, but it's so much faster. Yeah. And it's so much more easy. Well and and the thing yeah, we're complimenting it like I mean and it is. It's a thing that helps us, but I mean think about how much it helps them sell games. Oh sure. <laughs> like, <laughs> really? to, make it, to make it like this much easier to sell them, to get people access to sell, you know. Absolutely. Oh, I'm with you there. But yeah, I mean, I other than that little nitpicky, I can't alphabetize my games problem. It's I'm really enjoying it so far. But of course, we can talk about features all we want and the things that the PS4 can do, but it doesn't do anything unless there are games to play with it. And we each have a couple of games that we have already played and we want to talk about. Um, I'm going to start with Anthony in this one, because I I think in this generation, I'm going to get back into racers, and I think he has the one that I want to choose. So, Anthony, let me hear about it. Yeah, so for launch, one of the games I got was Need for Speed Rivals, which um, is a follow-up to, I believe, Most Wanted, and Hot Pursuit came out a, couple, a few years ago as well. So this one, it tries something interesting in that it attempts to combine single-player and multiplayer in a, in a unique way in that when you first start up the game, you are already in a lobby with people. So I will be racing around, and there will be, I believe, a minimum of five other people racing around as well, whether they're a cop or a racer. So you can be driving along, and then you might run into someone. So at that point, you can go ahead and challenge them to a race if they're a racer and you are. You can try to bust them if you're a cop and they're a racer. Um, you can band together and try to take other racers down. So it tries to merge these two together, which I find interesting. But at the same time, you don't have that separate ability to, say, get into a lobby and start up a match. Like, let's say me and three friends want to go ahead and uh, do a, a race against three other racers or something like that. You have to do it in the world, which involves driving around, finding people, Maybe you happen to come across someone who, who wants to play multiplayer with you, but there's no separate way to get into multiplayer, which is really my only real complaint with the game. After that, though, you realize that this is the same need for speed from the past couple of games with incredibly fun racing. The controls are super responsive. Um, the new DualShock 4 controller feels great for the game, which uh, we should definitely talk about the new controller at some point as well, but um, racing with that new controller feels great. The game visually looks fantastic. The weather effects in particular are really incredible. Um, you'll be driving along and you'll see particle effects and 
rain will be coming down and it just it looks incredible and yeah it's just that same fast-paced racing you've come to expect from the series even though i believe they handed it off handed it off to a different developer it still retains that same sense of speed it's still a ton of fun to play right out of the gate you know you'll be having fun with the game even though the opening tutorial is uh, not the greatest thing in the world but right after that after about 10 minutes you're playing the game you're having fun and it's a game to play and have fun right out right at launch. So that's one of the first games I played. In fact, I, I went Resogun and then I played Need for Speed because I figured it'd be fun to play, and that's exactly what it is. So even though there are some issues with the multiplayer, at the end of the day, it's another great Need for Speed game that I think people who like racing games will enjoy. It's definitely one of the better games I've played on PS4 so far. So I definitely recommend it to people who enjoy racing games. I, I seem to remember that they hit... a a similar kind of um, tension when they took Need for Speed Open World. And I'm trying to remember what the name of the title was when they did that. This is on PS2. Okay. And it was like the first open world racing game. And it was it took place all in one city. It was like Need, Need for Speed Midnight or something like that. That's not the name of a game. Something <laughs> like that. Um, but and, and people did not like it because you had to drive to the races. And you know, well, it was like I, I can't yeah. just like start do race. Well, you can <laughs> you can do that in this game. See, this game I should have mentioned. This game does a good job of both having this open world for you to explore, in addition to having menus that you can easily navigate or you can you know spawn in a location. So simply making a GPS marker, all you have to do is click right on the D-pad, go to like set nearest hideout. Uh -huh. And all this within the game, you don't have to press start or anything like that. And boom, you have a marker to the nearest hideout. It's on your map. You can just go there. Also, when you go in your garage and you exit, you can choose to start at any location with an event. So let's say I need to do a new interceptor event as a cop. Um, I leave the garage. I can go all the way across the map, find an interceptor event, click on it, and then I spawn right there. So in that sense, you can easily navigate the world in addition to driving around in order to find those cool things because the world is also populated by AI racers. So as a cop, I can see a racer with a heat level of three or four. So he's been doing a lot of terrible things, you know, uh, destroying stuff by driving around. I can go up to that AI racer, begin a pursuit with the click of a button. So there are always things for you to do around the world. So in that sense, you may want to explore it. But if you just want to find an event or go to a specific location right out of the garage, you can easily do that as well. So that's so, one that's one of the right. better things, I think. So so even even that I think was troubling to to some folks. Um like as one of my friends in particular I'm thinking of was like I don't want to have to explore at all. Like I sure. don't want to have to do anything that is not I am at the beginning of a race. I am in the middle of a race, and I am at the end of a race. <laughs> yeah, then he can totally do that. He can he can just find the he can go to the garage. He can have his list of tasks. You get like a few things you have to complete for the next chapter of the game, which, by the way, also includes an absolutely excruciatingly terrible story with some hilarious voiceover stuff. Which the, that, I that's like something I wanted. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that. Is there a character whose name is the letter F, a hyphen, and the number eight, and he calls himself Fate? I, maybe I haven't gotten far enough, but I believe it. Because, because I have I have yeah. seen that somewhere, and I wanted to puke. <laughs> Every time there's a voiceover, I'm just laughing so hard, which in some perverse way I'm being entertained by it. But 
you, you know, you'll, you get a cut scene for each of the chapter where the racer's like, they wanted to bring us down, and we have to take back the fight to the streets. And it's like, what? Why is, why is this in here? It's just so silly. This is not necessary. But no. I can enjoy it because it's so bad. But, Ooh. You, know, you know, it's just a few cut scenes in there, but it's really bad. <laughs> really, really bad. But you're not there for no, the story. You're there for the racing. Exactly, yeah. So I can enjoy how terrible it is in a weird way. Um. Oh, wasn't it supposed to be kind of like a Fast and the Furious? Like that's what they're going for. Maybe, or no? but it's not. It's not heavy enough of the story to even know. It's just a new chapter, a thirty-second scene with really, with really cheesy voiceover work, and then you're back to racing. So, I mean, it's not it's intense. It's, not, it's nothing exciting. It's just you know, a few quick clips and the guy talking about how he hates cops, you know, it's mm. not much. Interesting. Um, I also wanted to get into, uh, you guys were having a discussion earlier and it'll be a perfect segue into Dan who's going next. Uh, weather is a big thing in this or you enjoy the weather. Are you, are you talking to me or are you talking to Anthony? Um, oh, I'm sorry. Let's redo that. Yeah. Um, Anthony, as far as Need for Speed goes, we're talking before the podcast about weather elements, weather effects. Um, yeah. yeah. Are, they, are they really as impressive as you made them sound, or am I going to be disappointed? I, I personally think it's one of the more visually appealing things about, about uh, any of these new games, really. I, I, like, visually, it's a great-looking game, but the weather effects in particular, I find really incredible, especially when it's raining, just the way the rain's hitting your car, um, all the particle effects that come off the screen and, and, uh, like the way the roads look slick when it's raining. It's just, it's all super realistic without, you know, feeling too, too realistic, I guess, in in a way, but it all looks incredible. It's a little busy at times. So you'll be driving and there may be stuff coming at you like rain and you're like, I can't see anything. But it, that doesn't happen often enough for me to criticize it, really. But at the end of the day, it just it looks incredible when, when you have all these weather effects going on at the same time, which I think uh, they used a new engine or something to do that. Uh, I'm not entirely sure about that, but I think they brought in some kind of new technology for that, and it, it really does look impressive. Yeah, I'm, cool. sure that, I'm sure they bought tons of pixels. Weather is a perfect segue to Dan. The game I want Dan to talk about first is one that I'm not playing until I get my Xbox One, and I'm chomping at the bit. Really? Why are you waiting for the Xbox One to play Assassin's Creed 4? Because that's yeah. what I'm getting it on. I've played it on, <laughs> X- I've played it on Xbox since the first one, and I'm just going to continue with it. Hey, why not? Um, so let me hear about the weather in the Caribbean. And yeah, the, it's, it's uh, pretty unpredictable, the weather in the Caribbean. Um, so I'm talking about Assassin's Creed 4, uh, Black Flag, pirate game, really wonderful pirate game, mostly because of the freedom that it affords, that it it says, above all, it is important to us that you are able to do what you want to do because that's what being a pirate is, right? Okay. That's, that's how pirates function. Uh, and I think that's the, the heart and soul of this game, and so there's... And and I think that they did away with the – so I think the problem with Assassin's Creed 3, um, among other things, 
was this sense that you had this really well-built colonial-era world, like historically devastatingly good at at, at being recreated, uh, but nothing to do in it. It was just there. It was, you know, you you could kill a bunch of bears. I killed lots of bears, but there was not a lot to do. Now there's only stuff to do. You you can't move but a couple feet without tripping yourself over, you know, some other privateers who are carrying cargo. Or and and then there's also this is sort of working in with the PS4 element. There is a seamlessness about the entire thing as well, where you are on land. You hop into the back of a boat, no load screen, you commandeer the boat, you go. And now you're doing boat gameplay, and you're out on the open sea, and you're fighting. Uh, you've got, you guys have... Someone else has played this, right? Uh, Mike, you played it. Yes, I've yeah. played it. Um, I, I'm not super far, so I'm maybe a tenth of the way through the game. Okay. Uh, but it's also just got these really wonderful um, island cities, Nassau and is the one that I was just at uh, Havana. It's another one that I saw. Um, there's a, a cool story beat towards the beginning of the game. It's, this is kind of spoiler alert, but it's not really. It's not a big deal. Um, where you kill a guy who has defected from the assassins, and he is going to go hang out and work with some Templars. And you impersonate him. And so by doing that, what, you, what you're doing is impersonating someone who is impersonating someone else, if that makes sense. And so you're impersonating an assassin who is impersonating an assassin. Okay. Yep, if, you're, if you're following my logic there. Okay, so far, so far. To me, that is the most awesome pirate story, right? <laughs> Just like, I will do whatever it takes to get that booty. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty it much, be, pretty much, Edward like is just like I'm a, I'm a straight, straight man, and I'm you know playing my cards right. Yeah, totally, absolutely, I'll do that for a little while, and then of course the jig is up before long, and then you're just slaying dudes left and right. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the other thing that they've done, uh, and I've I've read a couple of articles that have spoken about this and pretty well, uh, is the the stealth component in this game is different from in other games that they actually put some effort into it this time around. Other Assassin's Creed games, for those of you who have played, you can testify, uh, are essentially not stealth games. Uh, they're climbing games, they're exploration games, but they're not stealth games because the guards are really smart. They are really attentive, and if you are anywhere near their field of view, they see you and, boing, and then you know you have to run away and hide in some hay for a while. Or In this game... Off. Yeah, in this game, the guards are actually blessedly dumb. <laughs> like, thank goodness they're dumb, uh, so that you can actually, like, uh, and and I think you know this is probably born out of playing a lot of the really good stealth games that have come out over the past couple of years. Here, um, probably the developers got their hands on them at some point and noticed that empowering the player at least a little bit in terms of stealth was a good thing to do. I think Mark and the Ninja is a perfect example, a more applicable example for this game, Far Cry 3, um, that the guards are pretty dumb, or the, the enemies, the soldiers, are pretty dumb in that game. And it enables you as the player to fudge the numbers a little, so to speak, <laughs> when you're approaching and you know trying to be stealthy so that you can 
actually be stealthy and play the game that way if you want. Uh, so I appreciate that because, like, once I started doing stealth play in an Assassin's Creed game, I was like, I don't understand how we haven't been doing this for how six games now or whatever it is. And to me, it's insane that it's taken this long to get to a good stealth mechanic, but eh, I'm glad it's here now. Yeah, well, I mean, I I, I didn't mind the stealth in two. So with two, I guess everything was good in two. Every there was fi- firing on every cylinder, and at the it was, time, yeah. it was, yeah. it was such an improvement over one that I guess we didn't notice. But if four yeah. is better, I'll take it. Yeah, yeah, it is, and and a big part of that too is really um, well placed hiding zones. It's just good level design. Nice. Um, but there's also tons and tons of enemies, so it's not like again you're not for want to do you know you're you're there there are just tons of things to do uh so you never run out of stuff to do all right well i am now even that much more excited to play that stinking game and i waited until the last console came out and i'm gonna lock myself in this room and and play it until my heart is content thank you for making it worse for the next 30 (laughs) to 24 hours or whatever it is uh now mike I want to hear from you about a game that I have downloaded, ready to go, just haven't pressed the button yet. Let's talk about Resogun. What can you say about Resogun? It's really fun and addictive, but also incredibly difficult. But not difficult to the fact, to the point to where you get frustrated. You, like, die, and you're kind of like, well, that was fun. I don't mind blowing up five times. Uh, Let's do that again. Uh, it's, it, it, I didn't really know what I was getting, going to get out of the game when I started it up, because I had heard that there was a lot of buzz about it, I saw that it was getting really good reviews, so I just decided out of curiosity's sake to play it, and, uh, the best analogy that I could put on it is that, uh, the Resogun is essentially to the PS4 what Geometry Wars was to the early Xbox 360. It's... Uh. It's yeah. that like move around, shoot 'em up style a game that came out as a indie download very early on in the console's life that just was um, that is practically a killer app that's just addictive and fun, and it's it's kind of got a little bit of that aesthetic that Geometry Wars has where like it's very bright and flashy, and uh, when you blow things up they make like very bright spot like bl- bright lights and explosions go off. Um, in kind of like almost a neon uh, type way. Um, And it's very um, unique in the same way, too, because it's not your typical like 2D fly around and shoot things type of game uh, like Geometry Wars was. In this one, the level design is very interesting, where uh, the level is like a cylinder, and you're basically flying around the perimeter of that cylinder in a circular manner, shooting all these enemies that drop down. And in every single uh, level, there's a collection of humans, and uh, you have to save those humans. Every once in a while, you'll get an announcement from your speaker, which is another really cool feature of this game. It actually utilizes the speaker in the PlayStation 4 controller. Oh, um, cool. You will get a voice that will say in your speaker, I believe it's uh, the name of the, them were Collectors, but I'm not sure entirely if that's the name of the special ship. Uh, but Keepers? your speaker will say that the Collectors or whatever <laughs> have arrived. Um and they will show Rat up. 
and they will show up uh, on the map flying around. Some of them will, in the very beginning, some of them will be like certain uh, ships that just come into the map, and then they will go out of the map. Uh, and if you don't shoot them and kill them in time, it kills the human that's in, like, the cell. Because humans are trapped in cells around the perimeter. Uh, some of them are actually uh, uh, normal ship types. They just uh, glow green, and that's how you're able to tell that they need to be killed to free the humans. And you destroy them, and their collective green light will go and free one of the prisoners somewhere on the map. And you have to be very careful and pay attention to where that light's going, because it can be on the complete opposite side of the map. Um, and then you, it's your job to get over there to that um, human and bring them to these two or three zones in the map that are kind of like teleporters that will beam them up and out of the map and save them. And it's really important that you do that because if you don't, uh, you're not going to get these huge score multipliers that are going to get you really good high scores and um, other benefits, other temporary benefits like shields against enemies. So it's very imperative that you go and pick up these humans and save them. And it increases the difficulty because it's really hard to try and pay attention to a light going halfway across the map and getting to a human when you're just surrounded by like ton tens of enemies just of all different types all around you and you have to fight and shoot your way through them and maneuver your way through them while trying to get to these humans and, sa and save them, keep them alive to get a ton of points um, and brag to your friends that you got a higher score than them. And uh, speaking of difficulty... The game is really hard. Like, yeah, it is <laughs> really, really hard. I played for about I played it for about an hour, and I couldn't even get past the second level. Um, it's that difficult, and it's not even like these these are very long levels. They're about like five minute levels, but they're highly difficult because there are so many different enemies, enemy types that do different things. They swarm at you in massive numbers, and the bosses are also kind of like multi, almost multi-staged in a way where they have different layered rings that you have to shoot through and then fly into, into that ring to shoot out the next um, areas in the ring and basically do that until you reach the center core and blow up the core. And different bosses, as you go through the levels, the different bosses will have like better weapons and ways of like shooting at you and killing you and keeping them from getting to you. So it's really tough to try and maneuver your way around uh, just the th this map, which is just an, uh, an exterior of like a cylinder, um, and trying not to get hit by the by these bosses and fly inside of them and get in into them before um, in order to to blow them up without getting hit by their different cannons and uh, other types of weapons that they carry. That sounds nuts. It's fantastic. And yeah, it's it really it's is. incredible. Like I um, I may have only played it for an hour, but um, that's only because I'm I'm really addicted to, to getting through Assassin's Creed Four right now. But if it wasn't for AC Four, I would be probably be playing Resogun nonstop, trying to get like the highest score and trying to um, beat all the bosses and see like just how much more challenging and insane. Uh, these ex these next levels uh, in the game would get. Yeah, I am not afraid to admit I've I played it for probably four or five hours. It it might be my favorite PS4 game right now, but uh, I have gotten through the whole thing, and I am not afraid to admit that I only did so because I was playing on the easiest difficulty level. Because no. it really is hard. Dude, I can't it, get through it. it all on experience. I just can't. I won't. I can't. It's not gonna happen. <laughs> but but. Even on the easiest difficulty levels, those last couple levels, 
are crazy. But, it, I've heard but like the, Mike, yeah. I said I've heard that the final boss is just practically impossible. Oh, it's just a oh, nightmare. Yeah, I won't, re- I won't reveal it, but it really, it really is crazy. And and Mike was mentioning, which I think is the best part about the game, is that push pull factor of trying to save the humans. Because like he said, you get these benefits, and even if you save enough in a row, I think you get an extra life, and you really yeah, want you as do. many lives as, as possible. So you Sounds you like really it. do want to save them, but doing so puts you in immediate danger, especially when they're like sandwiched between two enemies and they're about to run to their death or they're about to run off a ledge and you have to quickly zoom past all the enemies where you might get hit in the process, pick them up, and then throw them into the teleporter. It's just a really fun and simple mechanic that makes it feel unique from some of these other games that have a similar kind of setup. So, so it sounds like it's it's incentivizing. You're not a human, but right. it sounds like it's incentivizing saving humans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that for some reason you're supposed to care about humans. They're the last remaining humans, apparently, I think. For for some analysis. reason we're supposed to believe that humanity is good and worth saving. <laughs> well, they're green. Well, they are green. Yeah. <laughs> green is a good color. Oh, Go. no, you're right. You're right. I forgot. <laughs> it yep. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yep. So it, it sounds like it's the anti I have no mouth and I must scream. Everybody's good. <laughs> Everybody's great. And save all the people. Now, what I like to hear is that it's difficult, but not to the point of insanity. Oh, yeah. Which, I never yeah. got upset with the game. I, it's just, it's, it's challenging, and you want to get better to overcome the challenge because the, the mechanics are so rewarding that you want to become right. better. Right, it's challenging, not frustrating, which is right, important. Yeah. Exactly. And it's because not like, like the game is really designed to, like, not... It's not like they're like, okay, you just shoot this gun in this direction, go. Like, they give you... When you hit, like, certain, like, uh... I believe when you... Uh, they have certain... They have drops uh, a couple times in every level that where if you shoot it and collect it, it will upgrade your weapons and, and upgrade your gun and make it more powerful to more easily kill people. And you also get overdrive, I believe. I don't. I can't remember if that's through saving humans or just through getting a lot of kills, which basically just turns your gun into, like, an insta-beam of death that just kills <laughs> everything around you for about, like, five seconds. And then you also have, like, three bombs that you can use at your discretion, but you have to be really careful about when you use them because, uh, because you know, there are some really, really difficult parts in every single level. So it's it's kind of I've actually died a couple times being surrounded by enemies and being like I don't want to waste this bomb yeah, because I know it's only going to get harder as well if you save them. You get bomb hoarder points at the end of the level if you have all your bombs still. So Interesting. Yeah. Now, do you when you die, do you go back to the basic weapon? No. Oh, that's good. Well, so it's not it's not like 1942 well, or any of those I, old. Well, by die, do you mean just once, like die? Yes, like lose come back right then. <laughs> yeah, just you, once, <laughs> just the one death, <laughs> and then you're fine. But yeah, your 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 weapon is still powered up at that point. I think that's if you lose all your lives, though, it's back to the beginning of the level, obviously. But yeah, at that moment, you do not lose your power ups. That's cool. That makes me happy because, like I said, those older games, you would die and you you finally get the last power up for the most powerful. <laughs> Gone, right. and then you would die immediately, and then you would have to go back to your stupid normal gun, which always sucked because it always happened to me. <laughs> no, no such uh, sucking here for Resident Evil. Yeah, it's for all those, awesome, for, pretty much. For those of us who were really good at those games, it was awesome. Oh yeah, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm just Ass. kidding. I was, t- I was terrible at the. You know, there's a game it, for the Game Boy. It was called. 
Oh, this is super relevant to our discussion of the PS4. Um, oh, it was like battle battle tanks or something like that. Yeah, I could not get I could not get past straight up the first boss. I could not beat him. Never figured it out. Wow. Um, that's. <laughs> do you still have like nightmares? Do you still think about it? Yeah, yeah. He haunts oh. me. Oh he was, man. He was like four squares and a and a rectangle. <laughs> Haunted <laughs> your dreams. I, mean. I see yeah. those squares at night when I sleep. <laughs> That's right. Um, I want to talk about Call of Duty Ghosts. I'll talk about Call of Duty Ghosts totally. And I want to talk about it in the sense that it's probably the perfect game to start with when you're coming from PS3 and going to PS4, because other than shinier graphics, I don't feel a difference. <laughs> and it, that's because of the series and all of that stuff but it really feels like I'm playing a, it's, it's a new story, a new campaign, sure but it feels like I'm playing the same stuff that I've played before which I guess, like I said, if, it want, if you want to breed a little familiarity before you try something new, fine, start with Call of Duty start with what you know but at the same time, I thought maybe they would add some stuff that the PS4 doesn't do, like I can share my clips of Call of Duty, I can do all that, but that's a PS4 feature. It's not a Call of Duty feature. Sure, yeah. Uh-huh. And and I just, I, it's kind of disappointing. It kind of is disappointing. I mean, I'm, I like it so far. I'm only about halfway through the campaign, and I have not dabbled in the multiplayer yet. I'm one of those guys that has to, I'm like the only guy on Earth, actually. Got to beat the campaign first. Beat the campaign before you start playing multiplayer. Oh, no, that's how I did it, too. Um, so I normally try to do it, too. Well, I feel so loved. <laughs> um, but I mean, I friends. I enjoy it. It's normal Call of Duty. Bad things are happening, and you have to fix them. Um, I do like the idea that, and this is going to sound very bad, but let me explain. I don't. <laughs> Gosh, here we go. I like stories where sometimes the bad guys get away with some stuff. I don't like it where you're playing a game. I just talked about this in my Splinter Cell review, which I finally did after three months. Um, I don't like games where you're battling against this this terroristic force and you're always thwarting them. Like Call of Duty, yeah. the original Call of Duty 4, not well, Modern Warfare, the original Modern Warfare, was so shocking because they blew that bomb up. And Oh, sure, yeah, the helicopter. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You witnessed the guys walking through the airport. You saw the truck with the gas. I like that. I don't like always thwarting these guys. Now, granted, am I supposed to thwart them at the end? Yes. But I don't mind a little adversity. So that first mission in space was really cool. To see that from space and to see it on the ground, awesome. And I kind of like the fact that I'm still an American, I'm still fighting for America, but I'm totally the underdog. Totally the underdog. Everything is against me in this, instead of me being the superpower, like in Modern Warfare 2, where, yeah, they bring the fight to us, but we still win because we're America, and that's what we do. I don't mind being, you know, knocked to the mat and having to get up. Nothing wrong with that. I, I, I like the approach so far. I hope it ends sim- – I hope it follows that until the end. I wouldn't yeah, there, there are a couple story beats where you'll probably be pretty happy about it. Um yeah, I mean, it, it's certainly more Call of Duty. I I can't fault them for just making the same thing. 
and making it slightly better, though. Well, which yeah, they, no, which I, they do. I agree with that, and and that's just for the seamless transition to the next gen, like like that middle ground. So hopefully next year's, because we all know there's one coming next year, will be, <laughs> will be a little more. I, th- I think it will be more disappointing next year if they do the same thing because they have the two studio approach. Sure. But if Treyarch takes the the middle road, it'll be a lot more disappointing. You know what? And it's also one of those. I. I hesitate to say it, but I think it's also one of those inside baseball things where, you know, I've I've got this knowledge and I know, hey, you know, tr- there's Infinity War and there's Treyarch and they trade off and they make diff- you know they make Call of Duty games but they switch off every year, and so like, you know, World at War feels a lot like Black Ops and I know that and I s- identify that in my mind, um, and so like for example, there's the the new Alien, I'm trying to think, uh, Infestation, what? Infestation, right. something like that. That mode that uh, where or you, extinction, extinction. Sorry, extinction. Where you are fighting against aliens, and it's very much like the zombie mode. Uh, and and you're kind of like, yeah, way to go, Infinity Ward, <laughs> getting on board with Treyarch. But that's yeah. again, that's kind of like inside baseball. I'm not sure that that's really. It doesn't so, like make the game better, you know. Right, it's, <laughs> it's, just, it's just there. You yeah, that kind of mode now. So Infinity Ward try their hand at it. Yeah. Um, is that have you played that? Do you find that to be as good as zombies, or is it just another zombies with aliens instead of zombies? Uh, yeah. No, well, no, it's different. It's it's their take on it, right? Right. Um, but it's it's different. Um, I'm trying to think how to, how to explain it best. It's I've a little bit. It's a little bit Left for Dead. Cool. It's a, okay. It's, it's a little bit zombies. Uh. It's certain, it's cooperative. It feels a little bit like the Spec Ops mode from Modern Warfare. What is it, two? Okay, yeah, Special Ops. Yep, Special Ops. Gotcha. Um, so it's a lot of different things combined. The the actual aliens themselves come in different shapes and sizes, and uh, and they're quick and agile, and uh, you have to. It's it's also one of those deals where you have to learn the map in mm. order to do well. Um, it's a roguelike in that it, you know, you've got permadeath when, you know, when your whole party dies, it's back to the beginning, you know, mm-hmm. um, roguelike I like Call it. Of Duty. Who'd have thought? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, not, not to bash it for being the same old Call of Duty, but in, in that, in that sense, I guess it's a okay thing. It, it, it serves as a perfect stepping stone for the next, the next level. Um, I really want to see some innovation from the franchise though. Here's here's where I'll say the innovation is, and it's not, but and it's not innovation. It's just a good design choice. Is that they made uh, a number of clearly new new multiplayer maps, but they're huge. They're big. Oh, are they? Um, they're they're big. Here's here's the letdown of it is that the because they're like, hey, we're gonna make all of this cross platform. Um, it's all running at 60 frames per second for the most part. Um, we have to limit, uh, I think, to like 18 maybe? Players? Something. Yeah, 18 players. So you can never have more than 18 players. So you have, I mean, we're not talking Battlefield big, but much bigger than they're normally making uh, maps that are really cool and very intricate. Um, and I liked it a lot at least. But the, but the, the bigger maps and and 
Well, I mean, eighteen people, I guess, isn't that much, isn't that bad as far as size, right? But it, like, so, so it does. Feel, it feels a little empty sometimes, okay. for sure. Yeah. Uh, but but it, it's also very tense because you don't see someone for a little while. Uh, you're wandering around, you're checking all your corners. I mean, if you play it as a team, like so, folks who play as a clan, which by the way, you can train as a clan in squad mode. Cool. Um. So if you if you do that and you work as a team, you can clean house even more so with That's these cool. giant maps. Uh, yeah, it's really good. Cool. All right. So yeah. So maybe I'll once I get online, I'll feel a little bit better. Sounds like. Yeah. Um. All right. So sticking with you, Dan. Uh, we talked about tension just now, but the next game you're going to talk about is nothing like that. There is no tension in this game whatsoever. Are you um, kidding me? They're all the flower petals, they're always breezing, <laughs> left and right. <laughs> um, oh, now. I'm the wind. Look at this grass. <laughs> like, I don't know what he's doing. All right. <laughs> Talk to me about flower, sir. <laughs> uh, well, so I played flower on the PS3. It's the same game. It just looks marvelous on the PS4. Uh, Really, that's the main difference. Uh, Aside from the controller, which I I don't know if we're going to talk about at some point, but Mm -hmm. um, yeah, the the six-axis sense sensor is a little bit more delicate. It's a little bit uh, more refined, so it picks up on smaller movements, so you're not doing like with the PS3, sometimes I do like the turn it all the way like my hands are above each other kind of thing one one above the other uh, in order to just move left or right and this is a lot more like, oh I just sort of gently guide the controller left and right, so uh, in that in that sense it's it feels more appropriate for the, for the game um and do, do you want me to talk about flower itself, or or what? Well, I mean, di- if it's if it's it, if there's any particular difference besides what you've mentioned. No, no, there's no remarkable differences to the to the game. Oh, besides, well then, besides it just looking incredible. Well then I guess there's not a whole lot to talk about, is there? Right. Well, I'm, it really does look good. I was shocked by how great it looks. Like yeah. I don't know if they. Redid stuff, or I, I think they did, in fact, whoever ported it. But it, it's not just a straight port. It really, it, I was shocked by how good it looked. It really does look fantastic. Yeah. Um, I mean, it continues to be an apologist's game. For, <laughs> right? It's, uh, you know, anyone can look at Flower and be like, there's something very artful going on here. And I can't tell you exactly what it is, and I can't. And maybe that's for the best, right? That I can't put my finger on it. I can't tell you this is exactly what's happening, but I know that I feel something. All the feels are coming through. Uh, I'm thinking particularly of... So I, was, I unboxed the PS4, put in Assassin's Creed, stabbing dudes in the face. <laughs> Left and right. Left and right. And uh, and here comes my family. They come in. They're like, oh, hey, PS4, pretty cool. And I was like, yeah, look, I'm stabbing all these people in the face. They're like, hey, we're not so interested. They leave. I put you know, put flour on. They come back, and they're like, okay, what's going on? They all sit down. Right? They're like, what's this about? I mean, it's just a fascinating thing to watch. Uh, 
and and it's not like there's a ton going on, right? <laughs> you're just you're the wind. You're floating around. You're gathering flowers for some flower army that's going to take <laughs> over the, take over the world with Terrible. your flower power. The next uh, Call of Duty side game. <laughs> but uh, yeah, there's there's something just really captivating about about participating in nature in that way. Cool. All right. Cool. Yeah. All right. So Anthony now is going to talk to us. I think if I if I'm seeing this correctly, this is the first exclusive besides flower that we're going to get into. Right. Right. Um, the only retail exclusive that we're going to talk about today, definitely. Um, and because, because like we mentioned, I got Call of Duty and Battlefield, I figured I would wait on this one so I didn't get shootered out. So, was I right in skipping Killzone for now? Yes and no. You're intrigued, I know. Let me explain. I am. So. <laughs> That's a pure stroke for sure. <laughs> so, I've always, I've always been like a Killzone apologist. I, I find the series compelling... Less so in the campaign, more so in the multiplayer. But I felt the campaigns have had their moments. So Even this Kills one, on two? what was that? Even kills on two. Yeah, less so than three, but yes, <laughs> but not because of Rico because he's terrible. But he's not in this one, so don't worry. But um, so they try some interesting new things with the campaign in that the the story is still a little melodramatic. You know who is the real enemy? <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I don't, I don't want to go into it too much because I feel like people know what to expect at this point with Killzone narratives. It's, it's all predictable. Um, you meet, you meet a couple of characters that are somewhat dynamic, but aside from that, it's, it's not much. Um, but the structure of the campaign feels a little different this time around because they introduce. Um, this this uh, kind of robot or drone that follows you around. I believe they call it an owl. And this actually makes use of the DualShock 4's touchpad. So you actually do use that in this game. So the drone has four abilities, um, or four modes. One is attack. So to enable that, you swipe up the, t- the touchpad upwards. So that signifies your drone is in attack mode. Then you can click the left... Uh, left bumper or whatever, to send your drone to attack enemies. So you just sit back, watch them mow down enemies or help them out. It's a, a good way of distracting enemies while you pick them off. You can uh, swipe the touchpad down to create a shield for yourself so you're behind the shield and you can shoot enemies without getting hurt yourself, which uh, I end up using most of the time when I'm using the drone. Uh, you can swipe left to put him in stun mode so that you can stun enemies, although that feels very underutilized because I'd much rather just send him to attack enemies rather than stun them because it's just as effective and you're actually killing the enemies in that in that particular scenario. And then if you swipe to the right, you create a zip line so that you can traverse to lower platforms, although this only has happened to me maybe a few times in the campaign, and I'm, I think, on Chapter 7 of 10 if I'm remembering correctly. So that one also is very underutilized. But I do like the idea of using this touchpad, which which responds very well, and it doesn't feel distracting when you move your hand to swipe on the touchpad because it's a very swift motion. You're right back in action. You're sending your drone to attack enemies. So I appreciated that addition. I just I, I wish it was a little more integral to to the campaign because you can totally go without using it at all. 
there were instances where I forgot to even use it because the firefights were so intense that I didn't really have time to do anything. Um, and another another kind of change with the campaign is, which also kind of speaks to the art style, I guess, is that if you remember Killzone, it's a very dark game, I, in, just in terms of color palette. There's not a lot of color in there. Um, that is not the case with Shadowfall. There are some really great outdoor locations. It's a lot brighter than you remember Killzone being. But that also means enemies get lost in the environment. So I had multiple instances where I could not locate enemies, and they were just shooting at me, and I had no clue who was shooting at me. It was because of the glint of the sun, or they got lost in the environment because the colors matched up too well between the enemies and the specific location. So that was that was very annoying at multiple points in the campaign, and it made the game needlessly difficult. It, the whole game really feels a lot more difficult than past Killzone games, which... And this kind of goes back to Resogun. We were talking about how Resogun's difficult but not frustrating. Killzone is difficult and frustrating because sometimes oh. you feel like you die when you shouldn't die. Just that because really my question is, yeah. what is needless difficulty? It's, okay, frustrating. Yeah, it is frustrating, it. especially when I'm losing enemies. They're shooting me, and the only reason I'm dying is because I have no idea what's going on, even though I'm looking right at where I'm being shot at. So that and that happens a lot. Also. You, it is almost impossible to know where you need to go without hitting the objective uh, button multiple times each level. I, I mean, I'm constantly hitting up on the D-pad to know where to go because they create these levels that seem wide and expansive, but there are so many areas you can go that have absolutely nothing to do. Sure. I fell to my death about five times thinking I could go somewhere, even though I couldn't. And then there are other areas where you can go, but there's absolutely nothing over there. So it's this... They're trying to create these larger environments, which I appreciate, but the execution just isn't there. It doesn't quite fit, especially with past games in the series. Don't really adhere to that at all. It's usually... Fair, I've always felt they're fairly linear games, and, and the attempts to open this one up don't quite work. So, I mean, that kind of sums up the campaign in that I like the addition of the drone, the owl. It's an interesting mechanic that makes use of the touchpad. In, in a good way. Uh, I was skeptical of the touchpad on the controller, but I think that's that's a good use of it. That that shows potential for it. But then, you know, the difficulty and the fact that it tries to be a little more open and doesn't really execute on that level kind of left me disappointed, at least so far. I mean, I've even heard it gets worse as it goes along, so it sounds like it's not going to get better on these last few chapters. So, I mean, it's a bit of a mixed bag there. But the multiplayer, I've always really loved Killzone multiplayer. I really... Love the war zone mode where you have these these objectives that change on the fly. So you have five minutes of search and destroy, followed by five minutes of team deathmatch. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, followed by five minutes of capture and hold. It's very dynamic. It's absolutely. It's, it's an exciting way to do multiplayer. And it sure. contrasts like a Call of Duty where let's say I I would play Modern Warfare a lot, and I you know do a team deathmatch and it'd be over pretty soon. I'd be like, I don't know if I really want to play more right now. But after you do this epic 25 minute battle where you and your you and the enemy team are going back and forth doing these objectives it, it, it's i find it exciting so that is back and there are more customization options with warzone so you can create your own warzone where you restrict certain abilities or add certain abilities you can make it pistols only you can make it so only certain classes can play these maps you can pick which maps you want to be played in the warzone and there's a list of warzones in the menu that you can search for there are ones that Guerrilla Games actually recommend. There are ones that other users have made. So 
it creates this multiplayer suite of customization that that felt a bit lacking in past games that I I appreciate the addition of. And um, also, they kind of change the whole leveling system in that you don't really level up at all. You simply unlock new abilities by completing challenges. So, you know, get 20 headshots with X weapon, you unlock a scope. Uh, more general ones, like, you know, kill X number of enemies with grenades, you unlock this new ability for the specific class. Um, so in that way, in that way, you're leveling up, but you don't actually see a level. So it's really anyone's playing, and, and you're not always sure who's really great. I think there is a number that indicates how many challenges you've completed, but I'm not entirely sure about that. But really, the idea is that completing these challenges, having these objectives, you always have something you need to do in multiplayer. And even if you suck, even if your kill-to-death ratio is terrible, you always have something to do to contribute to your career progression and to contribute to the team. So I, I've always enjoyed games like that because, you know, I'm not great at these kind of games. I've had my moments with Killzone, but, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll die a lot. But I'll always be doing something. I'll always be fulfilling some kind of goal while I'm playing so that I feel like I'm progressing in some way, even if my skills aren't quite great. Sure. Yeah, yeah sure. well, I, I think folks, developers have figured out now that feedback loop, the RPG yeah. shooter. Yeah. The, that's We've got that down at this point, which is good. I'm glad we have because it's, it's fun. Yeah. And uh, I guess the last thing to mention is... Uh, I'm probably most impressed visually by Killzone, especially with the new environments, even though I criticize kind of how they try to make them open. Like I said, they also try to make them more colorful, more vibrant, and that really stands out with PlayStation 4. There are some truly stunning landscapes in the game. Uh, there's, I think there's a scene where you're on a helicopter and you're kind of going over the city, and it, it's it's almost jaw-dropping. I mean... I've never had some overpowered PC, so a lot of people say, you know, upgrade your PC. Games have already had visual <laughs> fidelity like this. We've been living this way for three years. I've never experienced it. So seeing a game like Killzone Shadowfall, I was really, I was really impressed by the visuals, um, and especially with the, the more colorful art style that they try to introduce in this game. So the PS4 Killzone is PC gaming for not PC <laughs> there you gamers. Go. Is that what you're there's, saying? There's the tagline. <laughs> PC gaming on the PS4. Killzone Shadowfall. <laughs> <laughs> it does, I, honestly, that's the one reason why... Not PC gaming, but uh, the, the visual acuity of that thing sounds just staggeringly good. It, yeah, it, it really is amazing to look at. And, th- and that's why I say... That's why, to answer Jason's question, that's why I say yes and no. So the campaign is kind of what you've come to expect, maybe even a little worse, worse than past entries. But the multiplayer is as good as it's ever been, and maybe even better with all of the customization that comes with the Warzone mode now. So it, it feels like two games, you know. You have your single player, where if you're a single player guy, I can understand that you'll you'll probably be disappointed with the game. And I'm usually that kind of guy. But Killzone's just that niche for me where I get into the multiplayer and I have so much fun, and it feels like they really capitalized on that area of the game. So kind of a mixed bag at the end of the day. Cool. All right, well, hopefully when I finally do decide to get into it, I'll feel a little bit better about it. I'll try it. I'll see what I think. Yeah. But I don't like being frustrated. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what you mean. <laughs> wait, wait, you don't like being frustrated? No, it sucks. What? It sucks. So, <laughs> so I'm, uh, 
I want to move on now back to Mike because he, I think he's our resident MMO guy. I think that's pretty. I could say <laughs> that accurate. with 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 accuracy, and he is trying his hand. I think right now, as we speak, on the premier MMO for PS4, DC Universe Online. What do you think, Mike? Uh, well, DC Universe Online, I haven't really gotten much of a chance to play a lot of it. I got to uh, create my character, who uh, is a deputy Green Lantern, because one of the things that upset me with the original DC Universe Online was that you couldn't be a Green Lantern. And uh, those are my favorite comics from DC, so I was very upset with that. But they had the extra content, and I used my $10 PSN credit to buy that content. Um, so I created that character, and I ran around uh, the very... In- introduction of the game which is uh you're aboard a brainiac ship and you basically fight your way out um you're this person who is given um given powers from a future lex luthor um after basically he and villains kill all the heroes and then brainiac shows up and kills everyone else um so he makes all these people through future technology um including my own player uh super uh capable um and I end up on this Brainiac ship. I fought my way um, all the way through to the end, and then Superman shows up, and I fight robots uh, with Superman, beat them up, and then we uh, get out of there. And now I'm uh, sitting in, I believe, what is the Gotham City Police Department, um, just getting ready to run through the open world and do quests. Um, I had played the PC version previously. I never played the PS3 version, um, because back then I wasn't too open to MMOs on consoles. I've always been a very PC MMO guy. Um, and I, and uh, I played that a little, a couple hours further into Gotham than I have here. Um, it, it feels very much like the same game. Uh, the graphics are nice. And, you know, the fact that you could uh, use the PSN features to like instantly live stream what you're doing is nice, especially since uh, on Twitch I've come to find that a lot of MMOs are actually the more popular games to get followed, along with like the likes of like StarCraft and League of Legends. Um, so that's a very good feature for people from the DCUO community um, who are looking to share uh, their adventures or share uh, any runs or uh, boss battles that they do. Um, and aside from that, uh, it's pretty much the same same game. Uh, I've, I like the way that it handles, that it controls. Um, it's made me believe that, or started to make me believe that, you know, maybe console MMOs do have a place, um, even though I will mostly forever be a PC MMO player. Um, I, I'm definitely satisfied with what I've played of it, and since it's free to play, uh, and I do enjoy the DC universe. I really don't see like why I shouldn't um, play this game uh, on the PS4, um, especially with the new features of not just live streaming, but also of uh, party chat, where I can get together with my friends and we can uh, together beat up, you know, the Joker and Bane and Lex Luthor and all these other villains together alongside Batman and Superman. That's pretty cool. Now, I'm actually making my character as we speak. I downloaded it. I'm trying to make something. And it gives me all these selections for powers. And I found one that I actually liked. And it's telling me that I can't have that power unless I buy DLC. Now, let me tell you something. <laughs> you, sir. Clearly <clears throat> yeah, that. Garbage. <laughs> is horseshit. <laughs> well, um, I assume... Well, well, 
I probably should have expected that it is free to play after all. But is is how much can you do without purchasing anything? Well, it's not so much free to play. It's more the fact that DCU DCUO has been out for years, and um, when it first released, um, it had um, all the powers and everything was unlocked. I mean, granted, it was a subscription-based at that point, but all the extra powers that were added um, all came from extra content after the initial release. So even for people who were, like, monthly subscribers needed to buy the new content in order to play it. Gotcha. So, okay. It's not, well, it's not so much that the game released and, you know, it's like, buy these extra powers because you're playing free-to-play. No, it's just the fact that, that that's just bonus content that was added to the initial release. Hmm. All right, well, hopefully... Uh, hopefully it doesn't ask me any more DLC that I have to buy and I can just make a dude and I can start playing because that's what I want to do. I want to play. Um, <laughs> now, I'm going to stick to free-to-play to finish out the game section. I'm going to stick to free-to-play. I played Warframe for maybe a couple hours uh, the day, the Friday, the day that the PS4 launched. And I got to a point while I'm playing it where I actually forgot that I didn't pay anything to play this game. And then when I realized, I was like, wow, this is a really detailed, really cool game for something that I got for free. Now, unlike DC Universe, which is throwing DLC in my face as I start, (laughs) Warframe, there's no mention of extra things that I can recall throughout the entire tutorial or first mission or whatever. So you build your character with what's available. Um, I went with, I guess, what everybody's going with. He's got guns. He's got a sword. He's got all this cool stuff that he can fight with. And it teaches you all the actions of the game. And then it puts you in a party of four, and you go through a level together. Um, You're immediately stuck with strangers. I didn't know anybody, and and there was no one on my list even playing it, so I didn't have a chance of playing with anybody. Um, And it, it, it... makes you focus on teamwork. If one of you straggles, you're going to die. If one of you separates, you're going to die. You have to stay together. You have to stay cohesive or else everything's going to fall apart. And that's really cool. I really enjoy that teamwork aspect of it. Um, I like the fact that my guys always revived me because I did fall a lot. Um, But I also like that even in this little tutorial level, there's things to find everywhere. Like I would take, I would take a corner and there would be a treasure chest and I could open the treasure chest and all the items would fall out. We'd all get a little bit of items and then we'd go over here and there'd be something else that I could shoot open and get those items. There was always something to find and enemies to fight. And the enemies aren't exactly pushovers either. This is supposed to be the first level and everyone on the team, not all at once, obviously we didn't have to restart, but every once in a while someone would go down and we'd have to revive them. So there's challenge there. But it's not to the point where you feel inundated with crap right from the beginning. It was it was fun. It was well-paced. It was everything that I would want in a $60 game, and I didn't pay a cent. Now, eventually, I'm sure it's going to tell me I have to unlock the missions on this planet. I'm going to have to pay a fee. But for right now, I'm really impressed with it. Did anybody else play Warframe? I played it for a little bit, and I found I, – I do agree. The level design and the the – the ability to, you know, play with four different people, get thrown into a level and just have at it. It's really fun, and I do enjoy the gunplay aspect of it, but 
The one thing that I was a little sour on that kind of had me turned off a bit on the on it was actually the sword play. Because I was all excited to go hacking and slashing people up, and then I tried to run around, um, run around my enemies in circles, hacking and slashing like I would in a traditional action game. I ended up just wildly swinging away at nothing, um, and I found that it, you just had to stand still and just take damage, kind of almost in like an MMO fashion, and just well, you know press your sword swinging buttons and hack and slash away. Yeah, I was, I'm with I was you. kind I of a am, little disappointed with the lack of an ability to like be mobile while slashing your swords. I am with you on that. I did feel like the sword slashing was a little awkward. Um, I felt like every once in a while I thought I hit a guy and I didn't, which was which kind of sucked. And I I, I avoided using the sword as best I could at points, just because there were so many enemies. If I got stuck in the slow animation coming down, I'd be shot dead. Immediately, so I'm with you there. I yeah, do agree exactly. that, that that stuff gets a little awkward, but hey, it's free, so why not download? That's true. It try? Yeah, definitely worth it. I kind of want to try it now, so definitely it's, it's worth definitely it. worth a shot. Yes, yeah. oh, yeah. free to play. It's an incredible, it's an incredible game for free to play. If it, if it was worth like uh, say maybe like anything close to maybe thirty dollars or so, um, it would it would wouldn't be so good. But even I would say even if it was like a twenty dollar value or fifteen dollar value. I think it would still be a pretty good game. But the fact that it's free to play and it's got all these customization options and these level unlocks and you get to play with your friends and the, the gun combat is actually really fun and the levels are actually and are actually pretty well designed and detailed nicely. Not the best you'll see on a PS4, but I mean, again, it's free to play game. It's pretty excellent for free to play. I agree. I agree 100%. I think everyone should try it at least once. And if you don't like it, then fine. But at least you tried it. Same with Blacklight Retribution, which is my next trial. I'm gonna, that's also free to play. I do want to check that out. Um, but before we separate tonight, gentlemen, I think there's a, a feature that we totally did not talk about. I wanted to save it for last just because I feel like it's worth saving for last. And that is the excellence of execution and design that is the PS4 controller. Yes. yes. Am, I alone in, am I alone in saying that this may be the greatest controller I've ever felt. Uh, I'm right there with no. you. No, I it's, think I'm with you. It's up it's, there with the 360. At least, at least even with the 360. It's, I think it's better. I absolutely yeah, prefer the 360. It's comfortable. Every button, it, the feedback is great. I have to press it. I feel that it's pressed. Like the PS3 controller, the shoulder buttons, R2 and L2 specifically, they're terrible. They are I'm objectively right, terrible. <laughs> I'm looking at it right now with disdain on my face. Just pure disgust. Go to hell. <laughs> I can never play a PS3 game again now. Yeah, that, right? that, what was it? Yesterday I actually had my... P I was getting ready to play some Assassin's Creed 4. I was powering up my PS4. And I had my DualShock 4 in my hands. And I looked. And sitting on, uh, on my PS3 was my DualShock 3. And just out of curiosity, I was like, let me let me just put my down my DualShock 4 and pick up my PS3 my DualShock 3 and I picked it up and I just felt instant disgust and disdain. And then you threw it <laughs> out like, the window. How did I ever play a video game with you in my hands? <laughs> and I just put it back down and I was like, I love you DualShock 4, don't ever leave me. <laughs> yeah, this it was, never sticks, again. it was the sticks for me on the DualShock 3 that were so killer. Sure. Just but, so awful. 
but it's a it's a it's a beautiful piece of machinery, and I hope that it and I have many beautiful nights <laughs> of gaming together. Um, has anyone had a chance to use the touchpad on the front? Have there been any games that have utilized that, and how receptive yeah. is that? Yeah, uh, yep. Assassin's Creed Four uses it pretty well. Their map okay. interaction. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Uh, it does like a pinch to zoom thing. Uh, I think nice. the only piece of it where I would say it's maybe not 100% successful is just that it's. We're, I I personally at least am very used to like the touch screen on an iPad or on a phone. Um, and I imagine a lot of other folks would be as well. Um, and it is smaller than that. Okay. So you, so you do have to be aware enough to to recognize, hey, you know, you got to change your your fat fat little pork bean fingers to <laughs> to make more precise movements. Uh, but but yeah, it works really well, I think. And it's a button too. You press yeah, it. It is. Yeah, I've got no complaints with it at all. It's very, it fits very well. The only thing, the only thing that's a little weird is that sometimes when I was playing Assassin's Creed Four, um, I it's, I think I can chalk this up more to the fact that I haven't really had enough experience with DualShock Four, maybe to be completely one hundred percent comfortable with where all the buttons were. But there are some times in Assassin's Creed Four where I'll be like, okay, I want to go like check um, my my like uh, my status or check my update upgrades and whatnot. And I'd go to hit the the options button, yeah. and I would accidentally hit the touch screen, and my map yeah. would come up. Like, yeah. damn, that's happened to me many times. <laughs> yeah, um, I I'm happy. Are you guys happy? Yeah, very very happy. We are happy with the PS4 so far. They haven't given us any reason to not be. Um, a couple of little minor tw- minor things that we would add or take away, but for right now, I think Sony done good. Sony you you did good, Sony. You did good, go. Thumbs up, and Sony. Even more impressive is, I mean, it sucks for the handful of people that it happened to, but we're talking about a less than 1% failure rate, yeah. which after the last console launch... <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's that's magnificent. Good for you. Comparatively. Guys. Good for you guys. So, I mean, I, feel like, oh, um, I was going to say, and, you know, obviously PS uh, Sony deserves... Congratulations! Because not only is the console good, but it's it's selling. It is well, over one about one million copies sold on day one, which currently, at least until maybe if if Microsoft does better, at least until maybe Friday, that's currently the fastest selling console in history. And yeah. the thing, the most more impressive thing about that is all the other numbers that um, have been gathered. I was hearing them before. It was over – these numbers were over like a month, the course of a month in all regions, and the only one that came close I think was like the Game Boy Advanced at like 750,000 units over the course of like a month in all regions, and that number is just a general ballpark. That might not be the official number because I don't have the information in front of me, but that was about what I had heard, and this is the PlayStation 4 in just America or North America in one region – in one day. Yeah, it's impressive. I I can't imagine that the uh, the Xbone will pull the same numbers. I mean, it is a hundred dollars more expensive, and it's coming out second. Yeah. Ooh, burned. <laughs> <laughs> I just think Xbox I, second's more like it. 
<laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> I just I just think that it means that um it doesn't just mean that you know Sony's doing right and doing good by us gamers. I think it also means that you know console gaming is alive and well despite yeah. um an increase in competition from PC gaming in recent years and also serious more serious competition from social and mobile and casual gaming. Yeah, I don't yeah. I don't think it's going anywhere as much as people want to say it is. Um, I I will always be a console guy, and I do not apologize for it. <laughs> so it's always consoles and Disney for you, isn't it, yes. Jason? All the time. <laughs> Boo! Woo-hoo! <laughs> That's your sound bite for In life. World. Just... <laughs> yes! Love that. So, uh, with that, gentlemen, I think we have uh, done a great service talking about the PS4, so now it's time to actually go and enjoy it. Um, This has been Versus Note 35. We will be back with more on our series of games of the generation. We don't want to forget about last gen, but we had to talk about PS4. We can't just ignore it. And I'm sure we'll talk about an Xbox One podcast, too, but I get the feeling that'll just be me. (laughs) <laughs> so, it'll just it'll just be Jason playing the telling us everything about the console. And we'll maybe we'll maybe we'll have a yeah, there you go. We'll have a versus we'll have a versus node like what will we what will we call that <laughs> versus <laughs> nodes. I don't even know, but it would just be me talk for fifteen minutes about what I like and dislike about Xbox One. <laughs> so yeah, so here so uh, with that, this has been episode thirty five of the Versus Node podcast. I am Jason. This guy is Dan. Hey! This guy is Mike. What up? And this guy is Anthony. Hello. Yeah, there we go. (laughs) So, (laughs) thank you very much for listening, and we will talk to you again next time. See ya. Videos.